January 18th, 2022. We're in Masechet Sanhedrin and Mem Aleph. In the wide lines, if you count down, it's 12 lines down, six words before the end of the line. The Gemara will quickly wrap up a matter that we were discussing at the end of class yesterday, and that was the Gemara described these 400 children, these 400 children of Yefat Toar, who were marching in front of the legions, the armies of David HaMelech, and it was as a result of them, when David was younger, that Yoav was nervous, and that's why he didn't team up, he didn't support Avshalom. In the later days of David, when he didn't have that sort of strength, he didn't have those 400 youthful warriors ahead of his uh, army, it's then that uh, Yoav was willing to go to the side of, uh, to, 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 it's then that Yoav was willing to rebel against and go with Adonia. So as the Gemara, you should know, in envisioning, in understanding the strength of David vis-a-vis, his forces, his army soldiers, uh, were maybe diminishing from the full reality of what took place in terms of the strength of David at that time period. So as the Gemara uh, that statement of the strength of David emanating from those 400 strong youthful soldiers disagrees, peliga means it splits from, it disagrees, it's a mahloka with the statement of Rabbi Abba Bar Kahana. More than anything, Rabbi Abba Bar Kahana will suggest it's a little bit more nuanced than that. There was a little bit more taking place with regards to the success of David. De Amar Bi Abba Bar Kahana, Ilmale, Ilmale means Ilu Lo, if not for David, Lo Asa Yoav Milhama. Had it not been for David, in other words, David's immersion in Torah with Siddhaq al-Mishbah, judging accordingly, so then Yoav never could have been successful. Had it not been for Yoav's success out in the fields, out in the battlegrounds, so then David never could have been successful in his study of Torah. What the Gemara is suggesting, it'll go on, uh, to talk about it for a moment or two more, is that to envision strength uh, in Am Yisrael just by means of physical uh, brute, brute, brute and strength is to be missing half of the uh, equation. Half of the equation is the spiritual might. I mean, I remember that this is the story I told in a different context, but it's my uncle told me that in the summer, I think of 71 or 72, he was in yeshiva in Israel, and the question was, oftentimes, always, there's a break after Chabeav until Elul in the yeshivas, but there was a difficult time in Israel with regards to fighting, with regards to safety and security. The question was, should we uh, do away with Ben Hazemanim? If everybody else who's doing it with, fight, with, with physical strength is out in the battlefields, if they're protecting the country, perhaps it's our responsibility as well. I'm not suggesting politically one way or another, other than to envision that you have the force with regards to defending yourself and bringing forth strength in two or more ways is, is exactly what the statement of Rabbi Ababar Kahana Dekhtiv, Pasuk says, On the one hand, the Pasuk says, David was practicing, was spreading justice and righteousness, of course, in the ways of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it's what the Torah calls in, uh, in Bereshit. La'asot Tzedakah Mishpat is Derech Hashem. Derech Adonai La'asot Tzedakah Mishpat. It's the way of Abraham. That's what David's marching up, uh, on that uh, path, the path of Tzedakah Mishpat. It's the way of God. It's the way of justice and righteousness. That's what David's doing. 
But you can't just mention that in the sentence. You have to give the other end of the equation. V'yu'av ben Suruya al hasava. And Yu'av ben Suruya, he's on the physical legions. Mata'am David asad tzedakah. Why is it? How was it that David was able to practice justice and righteousness to spread Torah, so to speak, to the entire nation? Mishum Yu'av al hasava. Because Yu'av is fighting physically. And why is it Yoav had that security, the capability, the success in fighting? Because David, on the other end of the equation, was able to practice in the spiritual, uh, judicial fa- uh, facet, the way of God. And the word by he usually signifies the matter, either happy or sad, or something. Is there anything going on over there at that time? Well, Vayhi, the Gemara Masech Megillah says that Vayhi is Lashon Kilala, but there are many notable exceptions begun by the Gemara already. So it's hard to argue. You'll have to always try to question is there downfall afterwards. But the Gemara already admits it's hard to argue that Vayhi is always a Lashon Kilala or a Lashon Pur'anut. Anyway, that's the statement. It's reminiscent of the uh, Yisachar and Zivulun type of uh, uh, agreement that one is doing the uh, commercial material success, the other one's doing the spiritual, and they come together in order to meet real success. It's that sort of vision with David and Yoav, that sort of vision with Am Yisrael. Okay, so the, the Gemara continues, and the rest of this Perek will deal with particular segments in the life of Yoav at the end. And uh, throughout uh, that we've touched upon, and we'll go a little bit more in depth on them in the eyes of the Hachamim. The pasuk says, "Vayese Yoav me'im David, vayishlach malachim achare avner, vayashivu oto." The pasuk says that Yoav leaves David. Now this is the time period during which he knows Avner is on the side of Shaul. He knows that Avner wants to make peace. He sends messengers to Avner, vayashivu oto. Mibor Hasira, and they bring Avner from a place called Bor Hasira, which for all intents and purposes has no significance. That's just the name of the place. That's just the location where Avner was. Avner with David lo yada. Of course, David doesn't know about this, and Yoav ends up killing Avner. But what's the significance of mentioning the name of the place, Bor Hasira? My Bor Hasira, what was that pit of Sira? Amar bi'aba barkana, the hachamim are going to be Doresh, the name of the place. Again, Avner being brought forth by Yoav, thinking that he's in a peace agreement time. Yoav backstabbing him quite literally. Amar bi'ababar kahana, bor v'sira garmu lo le'avner she'yehareg. Says the Gemara, it's a, the reason that Avner, it's what the Pasuk is suggesting, died is because of a Bor and Asira. What is this a reference to a Bor and Asira? Well, Rashi fills in a lot of the gaps. If you look right directly to the right-hand side of the page over here, it's important that we read some of the Rashi because Rashi gives some of the context. The Gemara gives no contextual clues as to what it means. Again, Bor and Sira are key are uh, code words for why Avner, in the eyes of the Hachamim, died or was deservant of death. Says Rashi, Bor. What is bor sapahat maim shalakah david mirashotav shel shaul kshehaya yashin b'ma'agal? And Pasuk describes uh, the story, as many of you are familiar with it. David comes across Shaul. Shaul is, is seeking David. He finds where David is hiding from him, looking, Shaul is, to kill David. 
David is the weak one in this circumstance. Miraculously, uh, David, excuse me, Shaul and his legions, including Avner, fall asleep. They're sleeping because they think they're, they're secure. David knows exactly where they are. David encounters them, but instead of killing them, takes a tzapahat mayim. And that's the reference of the bor, bor envisioning as a place where you would bring water forth from. He takes the water from them in order to designate to Shaul, I had the capability to kill you. I was right there. Can you imagine who's in charge? Who has the internal strength over here that literally came up to your head where you had your jug of water, grabbed it from you while you were sleeping but left you unscathed? And you're supposed to, if you're Shaul and his people, look at that and say, my goodness, I can't believe it. We're not in control. Maybe David's in control. Maybe we should understand he did a chesed to us. Maybe we should understand we should stop pursuing him, envision him as the one who has strength right now. Instead, Avner turns to Shaul and says, ah, not so impressive. Maybe one of our people handed him the, the jug of water. In other words, it's not that David actually came across us and took it from you. Maybe this was happenstance. So Avner pushes aside the realization which Shaul has in that moment. We should be looking to David as a source of an individual who has that strength. So that's the bor. Avner misses the mark over here, time number one, where he can and should submit to the strength of David, but he doesn't do so. What the second one is, uh, is, is, is uh, the Sirah. What's, what's Sirah a reference to? So, okay, onward in, in Rashiuk. Shamar lahem David, uh, David says to them, you guys are the servant of death. David turns to the people of Ner leading them. He says, you guys are deserving of death. You're deserving of death because I could have killed your master. I could have gotten to Shaul. He says, I'm holding on to the knife, which he did as well, the dagger of the king, and the jug of water. Shaul in that moment should turn to his, to his master, to, excuse me, Avner should turn to Shaul and say, look at David, you should make peace with him. He's right. Instead, what David does, instead what Avner does, is says maybe one of our people gave it to him. He doesn't realize this is one of the reasons why he's deserving of death, says the Gemara. What's the other? Vesira quotes Keshekara David et Kanaf Me'ilo Shel Shaul ba Me'ara Hayalo le Avner le Lamed Zechut al David velomar le Shaul re'e kama has alecha velohara biotcha yahad imo ba Me'ara. At, at, at an earlier occasion, uh, Shaul and David are in a, a cave together, and David has the opportunity to kill Shaul, but instead just cuts off the corner of his garment. And he proves after, afterwards, you see, I could have killed you, and I didn't. Avner in that circumstance says, no, that's not what happened. You understand what David probably did? Probably the corner of your garment got caught on some... Uh, some uh, Th- uh, thorns, and as a result, he found it again. Avner missing the mark. Maybe what happened, says Avner, 
to Shaul, pushing aside the truth that he knows is staring him in the face. And he says, well, maybe what happened was as David, as you, Shaul, passed by some thorny area, some area where there were protrusions, the corner of your garment got stuck, and that's what David found. In short, what's the significance of these words, Bor Hasira? It's a reference to the two times that Avner could have and should have stood up to the mo- in the moment and said, Shaul, make peace with David. He's a good guy. This is an opportunity. Instead of pursuing him, go and embrace him, and he but doesn't very, do so. Uh, very uh, harsh penalty for him. Okay. Well, of course, the king's advisor is going to I suppose so. I mean, alternatively, let's put it, you know, let's put a, a, a broader spectrum of a perspective on this. I mean, imagine in your own life, there's one thing after another coming your way, and instead of opening your eyes to the reality on the grounds, what's actually there, you keep com- continuously veiling it from yourself, keeping it obscured from yourself, and turning others away from it. I think more that you're right. If it happened once, maybe it wouldn't be significant. The, happens of the fact that it happens twice, and instead of realizing the, the, the tzedakah of David, instead of realizing that, you not only scoff out at it, but you convince the Melech Shaul. So, you know, I mean, ultimately speaking, it is part of the downfall of Shaul. Says the Gemara onwards, Amar, okay, it says Shashi uh, Harek. Okay, so the Pasuk, and then the Gemara continues in its Derashot in the Pesukim, and it says, Vayatehu Yoav el Tochashar ledaber ito Basheli, the Pasuk says that Yoav, when he encounters Avner, takes Avner el which literally means into the gate, and he speaks with him, or it, it seems as if he's going to speak with him, Basheli. Basheli is a hard word to translate. Probably the easiest translation is it's not fully clear in a questionable fashion, but the Gemara will be Doresh that word a little bit differently. First and foremost, what's the significance of the Sha'ar? What's the significance in general of Sha'ar in Navi, in Ketubim, even in Torah? Amar Biohanan Shedano Din, or Shedanu Din Besanhedrim. This is a reference to Yoav taking Avner and judging him. Why Sanhedrin? What does the Sha'ar have to do with Sanhedrin? Rashi says from Pasuk and Sefer Devarim, El El Sha'ar Mekomo. Sha'ar, the gate of the city, is where you would have your Sanhedrin, where you'd have your Betin, your court system situated. It's where Lot, in the eyes of the Hachamim, well, the Pasuk says he was at the Sha'ar. Why was he Yosef B'Sha'ar Sedom? Say the rabbis, because he appointed himself judge over Sedom. Sha'ar, the gates of the city, is where you kept your judge system where you kept your judges and you kept your courts. As a result, says the Gemara, that's the first significance. Yoav brings Avner into the gate, in other words, into the Sanhedrin. He's not just going to kill Avner, he's going to judge him. How's that judgment coordinated? Well, we kind of saw this already. Says the Gemara, Amar in reconstructing the scene and the circumstance, say the rabbis, what did Yoav say to Avner? Says Yoav to Avner, why'd you kill my brother? Asael, why'd you kill him? Why'd you go after Asael Rodefaya? Says Avner, the reason I killed I killed Asael is because he was a Rodef. He was chasing after me. As I mentioned, the Mishnah of Ayn Gimal says, if a person's Rodef, you 
or the person who's being pursued, anyone has the capability, might even have a mitzvah to kill the pursuer. As a result, says Avner, I defend myself. I was just defending myself in that moment. Says Yoav to Avner, again, the rabbi's reconstructing this to teach us halacha, to teach us the way these laws work. You should have, instead of putting a bullet in his head, or more specifically, instead of spearing him in his fifth rib, as we'll, as we saw yesterday, as we remember, instead of killing him, uh, you should have instead maimed him. You should have defended yourself by taking him down in some other physical fashion without taking his life. And the fact that you took his life, Avner, makes you deservant of death. You went after my brother. No, your brother went after me. Yeah, but you could have defended yourself. Instead of defending yourself by just pushing him away or even beating him up, you killed him, Avner. That was wrong. Lo yachilile, said, uh, said, uh, Yo, uh, said Avner to Yoav. I wasn't able to. What do you mean you weren't able to? The moment, the circumstance was such that my life was endangered and the only way to self-defend was by taking the life of Asael. It was all in the, the, the intention, with the intention of self-defense and was the only way I could do it. Hashata turns you to Avner and says to him, Now, you got him. You were perfectly mechuvan. You coordinated and were precise with regards to how you speared him in the fifth rib. That's what we read about yesterday. The Pasuk says, The understanding of is it's the fifth rib, the area, the intestinal area where your gallbladder and your liver is. You were able to be so precise with that, but you're telling me you couldn't have cut off his legs in order to defend yourself? You had the state of mind, you had the circumstance of being that you were able to precisely kill him in a very coordinated fashion, you couldn't defend yourself in another way? Says the Gemara, that's the deen, that's the uh, judgment in Sha'an Mekomo of Yoav to Avner. And then what is he, the Pasuk says, he does it, Basheli. What was Sheli? I said the simple interpretation to Sheli means in a questionable fashion. Instead, the Hachamim have a different interpretation. This is in quotation marks, right? Now we're continuing. That's what the Pasuk says in the, in the Pasuk we're dealing with. What does that mean? It was on matters of Shelu. What's Shelu? Says Rashi, it's, uh, well, take a look at Rashi. Rashi on Al Iske Shelu, Lashon Shal Na'alcha. To take off a shoe. Um, not shalom. To take off a shoe. Shal Na'alcha. Take off your shoe from your foot. What does that have to do with anything? What was he, what, what was he talking to him about? What, what did it have to do? Says Rashi, Sha'alo, I mean, the, the first wide line of Rashi, Be'urma, he asked him in a sly and sneaky fashion. Yevama gidemet he'ach holetzit. How would a yevama uh, gidemet? If a if a woman is a yevama, what's a yevama? Yevama is a woman whose husband passes away without uh, without sons, and now she falls to the to the brother. And now in that circumstance, she has a choice. Well. There is a choice of whether to do yibum or halitza. Yibum means leveret marriage. She gets married to the brother. Alternatively, it's what's called halitza. The woman needs to take a shoe off. How would she take the shoe off to reconstruct the hachamim in this circumstance if, he, she, if she doesn't have any uh, hands, if she doesn't have any fingers on her hands? How would she do so? So, so reconstructing the circumstance, Yoav asking Avner this in the betin, why is he doing it in circumstance? He's setting him up. Says Avner, here's how she would do it. She would get 
down and he's doing it to show him that she would do it with her mouth. And as he does so, Pasuk says, he kills him. So that's the reconstruction of the Hachamim. It means that down to the end, which is a fascinating thought, even in the reconstruction of the rabbis, down to the very last moment of Yoav's encounters with Avner, he's very sly and conniving. Do you understand? He judges him, according to this Gemara, to death penalty. You were wrongful in killing my brother Asael. But I'm not just going to execute you, I'm going to trick you into your ultimate death, into your demise. I'm going to ask you a question on the iskesh elu, on the matters of shoes. I'm going to ask you a question about halitza. How would a woman who needs to do halitza, but she's a gidemit, she doesn't have hands or fingers, do so? As you're bending over, I'm going to spear you. That's a fascinating, crazy vision of Yoav. Yoav, though, was, over the course of several encounters and situations, this we know from the pesukim, from the hachamim, in their highlighting of his deeds, he was conniving. He was often out to do uh, something different. That, I mean, we know he was Mored Mamelech on more than one occasion. He goes against the king's will. So he goes against the king's will. He's willing to constantly be scheming on how to do it. Pasuk says, Not only did Avner kill the brother of Yoav, Asael, in that fifth rib, but as Yoav kills Avner in this moment, how does he kill Avner? In the identical fashion in the Homesh, Amar Yohanan he gets him in the identical place. What's that place? The fifth rib in the eyes of the rabbis. It's a seg. It's the intestinal area uh, wherein your gallbladder and your liver are residing next to one another. And he spears him over there, which is a quick and immediate death. It's a midah keneged midah exacted by Yoav to Avner. You killed my brother like that. You killed my brother in. The, the, his vision in a conniving fashion, so too I got you. Okay, continues the Gemara and it says, Veheshiv Hashem et damo al rosho, asher paga bishne anashim sadikim vetovim mimenu. Says the, Gemara, says the Gemara, citing this pasuk, this pasuk is, is a reference to Yoav, who's supposed to be killed. What did Yoav do wrong? He killed two righteous people. This is David, of course, telling Shalomon. Shalomon knows he needs to kill Yoav because Yoav killed two righteous people. Who are the two righteous people that he killed? Amasa, we mentioned that circumstance yesterday, and Avner. Okay, so now, what's that? Well, the Gemara says that he was defending himself no, in some way. No, but he had a case with Shaul, when he convinced Shaul that, he, that, that he didn't come. Yeah, all right. I mean, I guess he wasn't perfectly righteous. Is anyone perfectly righteous? Says says the mimenu. All right, so there you go. Says and and it'll and it'll be apparent in the Gemara. That's how we're reading it. Says, right. says Morris to says Sadikim mimenu means more righteous than him, meaning more righteous than Yoav himself. It doesn't mean they were absolutely righteous. It reminds me of Harambam in his Ilchot Teshubah. He's talking about people who have a vision of God in a corporal fashion. That God has a body. And uh, and he calls them in him Helek the Ba'am Yisrael. He calls them Apikosim and Kofrim Batora. And Ra'avad says, how could he talk that way? There were Gidolim Vetzadikim Mimenu 
who believed so, which is a fascinating statement. Ra'avad is saying, greater than Harambam, those people who believed in the physicality, uh, does it mean per se, greater than Harambam? Does it an expression, or oh, whatever. Anyway, that's the same, same type of wording. Anyway, it says the Gemara, how so tovim shayu dorshim achin verakin? So the Pasuk says the Gemara, what was it that made them more righteous, more uh, knowledgeable and, and doing the right thing than Yoav? Well, Amasa and Avner were Doresh, Achin Verakin, but Yoav was not. What's this Achin Verakin business? You might recall, we saw this in the Gemara yesterday, that Yoav goes after Amasa because he says he's a Mored Bamalchut. He says he rebelled against the king. How did he rebel against the king? The king told Amasa in a three-day period, gather the people of Yehuda and go up against that rebeller, Sheva, Sheva ben Bichri. What does Amasa do? He takes longer time. Says Yoav, I'm going to go kill him. He rebelled against the king. Explain the Gemara. Why was he doing so? Because he really Realized Amasa, this reconstruction of the rabbis, it was inappropriate to go after Bnei Yehuda. Why was it inappropriate? Remember this from yesterday? Because they were Oskim Batorah, they were in the middle of the Masechet, which means to say he understood you follow the king's orders unless. As the Pasuk says, Rak, unless, Rak Hazak Ve'ematz, unless it's against God's will. In other words, you have to, even when you just have your head down and are following, you need to raise your head a little bit. You need to make it certain that the circumstances are appropriate. So that's Amasa. When was Avner, Doresh, and Achin Verakin? When did he in some way go against the king in an appropriate moment and he does something differently? So the Rashi quotes from the situation of uh, Kohanim of Nov. There was the city of Kohanim of Nov uh, about whom Shaul was very angry and he sends Avner to go kill them and Avner does not listen to him. Avner understands it's an inappropriate thing to do. Even if they were protecting against Shaul in some way or fashion, it's not right to kill them. Avner again stands up to the king and he was right for doing so. So it means Avner and Amasa both understood Achin Verakin. They understood that sometimes there needs to be an exception to the, to the law. There is in circumstances where the rule doesn't apply. More than anything, this is a lesson for life, life in this situation. It's true and it's an absolute that we follow rules and laws under all and every circumstance, but achin verakin means there's extenuating circumstances. If you have the rigidity with which you live life, that in extenuating circumstances you can't see beyond that black and white, so then you're going to fall like a yoav. You're going to be remembered forevermore as the individual who walked to such a straight path and understood anything and everything in such a black and white fashion to the extent that that was your downfall. That's the statement of the Gemara. How was uh, yoav not Doresh Achin Verakin. One second, you said Amasa and Avner in an appropriate moment go against the king's words. Yoav can't understand that. Yoav is so black and white, so rigid. They're deservant of death, and he goes out and he kills them in order to, uh, to, to in order to keep it. So, what about Yoav? Yoav. I mean, I know he judges them unfavorably. He kills them. Does he himself? The Gemara seems to say he himself acts accordingly. Says Rashi, it's in the circumstance of Uriah Hachit. Uriah HaChiti was the husband of Batsheva. Batsheva is the woman with whom uh, uh, David HaMelech has, has, uh, has relations, and her husband is is out at war and trying to cover it up. He summons the hu husband Uriah back 
tries to have him have relations with Batsheva. I think we're familiar with the story. Ultimately speaking, he won't do so. Uriah feels it's inappropriate. He says, my hope, all my people are out at war and I'm going to be back having a good time with my wife. He won't have relations with his wife. As a result, when she becomes impregnated, it's going to be clear who impregnated her, none other than David HaMelech. David realizes he doesn't have a chance. He sends Uriah back to war, but he sends a message to Yoav, get him killed. And Yoav listens. Yoav puts him on the front line and has him killed, or lets him get killed. Well, we're going to get up to that in a moment. That's right, because it's only Bamikhtav. The Gemara will say that in a moment. Which means to say Yoav is so black and white that even in that moment, even in that circumstance, he can't defy the orders and commands of the king. If the king told me to get him killed, I have to get him killed. Amasa, Avner, ironically, not the individuals we're looking at too positively. They're the ones who weren't struck with this rigidity. Yoav who goes after them and kills them. Yoav who allows for the death of Uriah, who sets him up for death, he's the one who now in the Gemara, the Pasukin Navi, remember him as being less righteous than those other ones. Less, what's that? Isn't that an amazing thing? Isn't that an amazing thing? The amazing, that's the irony. The irony is, you know, staring us in the face. The righteousness of you, of Avner and Amasa is that they disobeyed. You know, what's that? They got killed by Yoav, wrongfully so. What do you want me to tell you? But if not Nothing else. We're all, unfortunately, we're all going to die. How do we want to be remembered? We want to be the tzaddikim mimenu, or we want to be the yoav. So now, of course, there's a, there's a very sensitive and careful, delicate line over here. This is not about transgressing laws and rules of any in any way, shape, or form. But it means uh, having our eyes on our heads. It means being appropriately in tune and attuned to reality, to understanding and realizing that black and white existence will more, will more often than not lead us to a, uh, an, uh, a disgraceful demise as opposed to one with grace. All right, says the Gemara over here, uh, so again, so the Pasuk says that Yoav, you're deservant of death because you killed Sadikim v'tovim mimenu. So says the Gemara, how were they tovim? How were they greater than him? Shayu dorshimachin v'rakin darash. But it doesn't just say that they were tovim, they were greater, they were better than Yoav. It also says they were Sadikim. So it means above and beyond, just they didn't listen sometimes, and you always listen. How were they Sadikim? Shehen bapeh velo asu v'hu Asa, so interestingly says the Gemara, both Amasa, both Amasa and Avner were directly by the word of the king commanded to do, and they didn't do in the circumstances we just described. Uh, Yoav, who's out at war, it's a message sent to him in a letter. Word is stronger than letter, certainly from the king. So they who get the word, the verbal command, don't listen, but Yoav, you didn't even get a verbal command. You just got a letter, and nonetheless, you still had to listen. <laughs> Clearly, they're not only Tobim, they're Tzadikim Mimecha. They're so much greater than you. Says the Gemara, Ve'amasa lo nishmar asher biyad Yoav. So when Amasa is killed by Yoav, so the Pasuk says that he was lo nishmar. Nishmar is an interesting and curious word. We're really just finishing up the storyline of Yoav in the eyes of the Hachamim. So if you recall, again, Yoav kills this Amasa in his defense. The rabbis say, he was a Mored Bamachut. I had to get him. He didn't act swiftly enough. Pazuk describes when he kills Amasa, Amasa lo Nishmar. The word Nishmar is a difficult word to translate because did he not realize? Did he not see? He saw. He saw the sword in his hand. He saw the dagger in his hand. So what's it? Lo Nishmar. 
I will, before we move onward in the, in the, over here, we know that word from the Torah in a different context. Ve'aviv shamar et hadavar. Those are the words of Yaakov, right? Yaakov hears the dream of Yosef. He rebukes him, avo navo, and so forth. However, ve'aviv shamar et hadavar. What do the words shamar et hadavar over there mean? Shamar et hadavar, says Rashi, he took heed to. He remembered and kept it in back the recesses of his mind. It's there. He's mitzapeh. He's waiting for the sermon. Which means, say, the word shamar, in addition to safeguarding, but maybe that's really what safeguarding means. It means I, in my subconscious, in some way, are aware of the reality of something. It's not that I know it exists. I know it exists. Are you subconsciously or in some way attuned to its uh, significance? So did Yaakov understood there was a significance to the dream? Over here, the Pasuk says, Amasa did not realize the significance of the sword. I can meet with you and, not, and realize that you're holding a sword. I'm Yodea, but I'm not Shomer. I don't realize its significance, says the Gemara. Amarav, Shelo Hashado. That's all it means. It means that he was not Hoshed. He was not suspicious of it. He knew about its existence. He saw it. If you're trying to reconstruct, reconstruct the scene, how is it that Amasa gets killed by Yoav? He really didn't see a sword. You're holding a sword. It's not even a small dagger in the side. You're holding a sword. He didn't realize. Yeah, he didn't. The sword or Yoav? Both. 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 It's the sword and Yoav's usage of it. The pasuk says that Yoav is is uh, the pasuk says that Yoav is buried. Says, says the pasuk vayikaver bebeto bamidbar. Yoav is buried and and back to to Jesse. If you think that we're really just bringing down Yoav, you'll see we're going to make Yoav to be out. You know, so I, I, just a moment ago, you told me that I were all of a sudden making Avner the good guy. Not really. We had him being the bad guy. Yoav now we made it to the bad guy. Not really. So, 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 the Gemara is not blind to the fact that existence and personalities and characteristics are far from being simple. It says that he was buried in his home in the desert. Was his home the desert? What does that mean? Was his home in the desert? Hard to believe. Says the Gemara, rather, it's referring to his home as a desert. That doesn't sound too positive. The rabbis see it in a very positive light. His home was like the desert. How so? The same way the desert is ownerless. Generally speaking, you imagine it as a desolate, ownerless zone and domain. There's nobody who owns the cacti or the iguanas or whatever there is over there. It's rather just an area which is open to also to his home. The home of Yoav was open to the poor, the destitute, the orphans, the widows. They were all able to come and find shelter and support in his home. It's very positive. His home was a midbar. Continues the Gemara Davar Aher. Alternatively, another positive way of envisioning his home as a desert, as a midbar. Ka midbar, ma midbar, minuka migezel va'arayot. Af beto shel Yoav, minuka migezel va'arayot. In contrast to the way, maybe not you, I would imagine a warrior, a person who's successful at war, they're successful at war, they see themselves in that success, and as a result, they have all sorts of corruption attached to them. They'll uh, plunder others, they'll take the possessions wrongfully of other people, they'll take the wives and women of other people as well. Says the Gemara, the description of Yoav's home being a midbar is that it was clean and desolate. Desolate in which respect? There's no gezel, there's no thievery, there's no rob, there's no robbed items there, and there's no wrongful uh, sexual activity. There's no arayot. Says the Gemara, lastly, ve'o'av yehaye 
et she'ar ha'ir. Says the pasuk in terms of Yoav's life, the pasuk says that he builds this city and ve'yoav yehayet she'ar ha'ir. And Yoav sustained, he brought life to the rest of the city. What do you mean he brought life? That's certainly positive. How did he bring life to the rest of the city? So as the Gemara, you should know, he didn't just support the poor. He didn't just give to others. He went out of his way to find opportunities to give to them. The same Yoav, and yes, the same Yoav we were just a moment ago criticizing and saying he's too rigid, he's too black and white. He's a person who looks to do good for others. They don't contradict one another. You can be one and the other at the same time. I mean, we know this about human beings. What does it mean? It was mehayet shar hayir amar of Yehuda afilu monine v'tzahanta ta'im paris lehu monine and tzahanta. Rashi says are small fish, small insignificant fish. Even the small insignificant fish. I don't know anchovies. No, anchovies are not kosher. What sardines? That's what I'm looking for. Sardines. Even the sardines he had in his home, the small little insignificant fish. Those ta'im he would taste them, and then parislu we would then spread them out and give them to the others. Which means, say, he didn't just give grand on grand scale. He gave even on the small things that he had in his own home, and he would eat it. He'd eat a little and then give it to others. Which means to say, we finish our pedic by analyzing the very difficult and hard to understand life of Yoav, and we understand that life of human beings is fragile and difficult and delicate and sensitive and hard to understand but there are many lessons to be gleaned from understanding properly the eyes of through the eyes of the hachamim who Yoav was how he fell and how he succeeded at specific junctures in his life Amen Amen